Welcome back. In this week's episode, we discuss Enes Kanter Freedom, Turkish-born NBA player and freedom fighter, Gadi Avarkan's new Green Zone proposal, and the purpose of getting married and having children. We are joined this week by new host, Ryan. I'm Luke. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Right Side of the Compass podcast. How are you doing, Ryan? What's it like to be on your first episode of The Right Side of the Compass? It's a little scary, honestly. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited also, so let's see how this goes. Yeah, indeed. Let's see how it goes. If this goes well, you could be um, a permanent mainstay on the podcast. Who knows? Uh, by the way, just if anyone's wondering, uh, we didn't get rid of Rhodey. We didn't banish him to the you know to the furthest reaches of the galaxy or anything like that. The Shadow um, Realm. Just, the Shadow <sighs> Realm. <laughs> or St. Helena, uh, as Michael Knowles <laughs> would want to do. Um, we, we just... <laughs> Uh, he just was very busy this week, and so we figured we'd bring on someone new because uh, I'm also going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Um, I got some dental work that needs to get done, and I cannot do that. I cannot do the podcast with two gaping wounds in my mouth. So uh, so I'm going to be uh, gone. So we decided to bring someone else on to pinch hit, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, so hopefully Look, he does I a good job. You- I think if you can't record with two gaping holes in your mouth, you shouldn't be able to call yourself a successful podcaster. That's what I think. Is that a challenge? <laughs> Is that a challenge? Uh, we'll see what happens. I guess so. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, okay. So if you like our content, please like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell to be notified of our latest content. In addition, we are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Audible, and all of your other favorite podcast platforms. If you want to reach out to us, the best way to do so is by leaving a comment on YouTube or Rumble. If we like your question, you might even be featured in next week's next week's episode. All right, so let's get down to business. Let's talk about what we came here to talk about today, not about the inner workings of the podcasts. So topic number one today is Ennis Cantor Freedom, NBA player, freedom fighter. Let's discuss who Ennis Cantor is first, first of all. Ennis Cantor. Who is Ennis Cantor? Ennis Cantor is a Turkish-born uh, basketball player who plays for the Boston Celtics. And he is a Turkish basketball player. And what was interesting about uh, Enes Kanter Freedom is that he's he's kind of trying to find himself politically, but I think he's eventually going to find himself, if not on the right, at least on the libertarian side. Uh, he, he, he What was interesting about him is that he kind of came out against uh, China and the woke stuff with against LeBron. Do you know anything right. about this, Ryan? Yeah, so um- – I've been uh, privy to seeing the knowledge about uh, LeBron James and how he's uh, been commenting how China's basically super special awesome and the best place ever. Um, so just to see another basketball player who was, uh, who's going up against LeBron, you know, go- going up against LeBron, it's not super easy. He's obviously one of the most famous basketball players. Um, so to see someone who's maybe not as big go up against him is is kind of it's it's kind of it's kind of a little heartwarming for us Americans over here, right? 
Right. So, uh, okay. So let's talk about um, what he's been doing recently. So first, originally he was called Ennis Cantor, and then he got his name changed to Ennis Cantor Freedom when he officially became a U.S. citizen. I believe he got a, a letter from George Bush. Uh, talking about you know the importance of that. Obviously, like if I had moved to the United States and become a new citizen, I would not be getting a letter from George Bush. But I cannot dunk, so that is why I'm not <laughs> getting a letter from the former president. Um, but to be fair, you know that is kind of a big deal when when celebrities move to your country and they become citizens. I, I assume that's kind of a procedure for that kind of thing. Totally fine. Uh, I'm not against it. That's kind of like what former presidents are supposed to do. Uh, but he changed his last name to Freedom, which is very interesting because most people don't change their last name. They don't change their name when coming to the United States, at least not for that type of reason. They don't change it for ideological reasons. They typically change them uh, because their name from their former country is too hard to pronounce for Americans. Right. So they change it or, or it gets messed up or something like that. Right. But it's interesting. He changed his name to Ennis Cantor Freedom. Uh, that's that's a very interesting choice. That's that that speaks a lot to who he is as a person, what he values, uh, and then he what he really did, which is very interesting. It, at the beginning, he was he's very talking about the vaccines. He actually came out against LeBron, saying like you shouldn't, you know, at least from what I understand, he he was against LeBron telling people, you know, you can't, you, you should be telling people to get the vaccine, and then now it comes out that he says people should have the freedom to choose. This is a story from the Daily Wire. Ennis Cantor freedom on vaccines. People should have freedom to choose. Uh, and then he he's talking about the the many um, I believe it, the many athletes that are against getting the COVID uh, vaccine. Uh, there recently, there's a tennis player. I forget what it is Djokovic in Australia. He's he's stuck there because he didn't get the COVID vaccine. Uh, and I also believe there's a, a character on the Nets who didn't get the vaccine. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he, he, he now comes out and says he's against mandatory vaccinations. Yeah, that's, that's very good for him. Good on him. You know, he's uh, putting his name on the line, you know? And another, another interesting thing I saw was that, um, according to Fox news and the New York post, uh, one of LeBron's teammates came out and told him privately that, uh, his, 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 uh, uh, debates with LeBron about China, um, it's uh, that LeBron's teammate told Ennis Cantor Freedom that he should keep doing it and that he, he doesn't appreciate the uh, the comments that LeBron makes. So I just thought it was interesting. Wait, um, but this is a, anonymous, know, right? This is anonymous, right? We don't know this who this is anonymous. Is. This is an anonymous, anonymous uh, teammate of LeBron, yeah. And this is from the Daily uh, This is the, from the New York uh, Post? Fox News and the New York Post. Okay, okay. So that's okay. Good to know. Um, no, it's interesting. I mean, I assumed LeBron kind of made a giant ass of himself over the past two years. Uh, let's be honest. No, let's let's seriously be honest. He came out, you know, talking about. Uh, I think he said that like black people, like they're afraid to leave their houses every day. And and I'm not saying that like there's no racism in the United States ever. But, you know, it is kind of ridiculous that he that he's saying, like, things along the lines of black people are afraid to leave their houses every day. They're afraid of getting shot, you know. And he, he, he does make an ass of himself. And But when it comes to attacking China, he's very silent on China. And I think people notice that. Uh, I think it's the NBA, of course, we could talk about the NBA being essentially bankrolled by China. The NBA wants more Chinese people because just the Chinese market is a bigger market. So it's very, very easy for the NBA to want to silence people who are talking about, you know, Uyghur Muslims and 
the concentration camps over there um, is what it is. Um, but you don't have to go along with it. And Ennis Cantor Freedom, I think he's uh, he's he's going against it. Now, to be fair, Ennis Cantor Freedom is a Muslim. Uh, so it makes sense that he would stand up for other Muslims, but I don't really see the problem with that. Even if he's just doing it with Muslim solidarity, uh, concentration camps are a bit much. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, someone's allowed to stand up for their own people. So whether he's doing it for that or for any other, any other reason, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, it's not something that, uh, we should be louding like, uh, LeBron James seems to be, uh, right. Forgetting. I mean, so. yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Islam and, and Muslims to me is that, uh, me personally, Islam could be on the moon, and it would be a little too close to me for for like my own comfort. <laughs> uh, but uh, I I still don't think you should be putting Muslims in concentration camps. I just I don't think that's the solution uh, to anything. I, I think um, at all. So I'm pretty against that. But I, I the reason why I want to talk about this today is actually because I think Ennis Cantor Freedom is the type of uh, immigrant that we should want in this country. He he seems to have American values, more or less. I mean, you know, there's some variance in American values, but he seems to kind of like being here. He seems to appreciate being in the United States. And when I think about all the people who come to the United States and they, they think United, the, the U.S. is racist and it's sexist and it's this and that, uh, Trevor Noah easily comes to mind. Trevor Noah is this deeply unfunny person. You know, you know who Trevor Noah is, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm acquainted with him. I yes. know who he is. <laughs> yeah. So Trevor Noah, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Trevor Noah was the guy who took over the Daily Show after John Stewart. Now, John Stewart, you can say what you want about John Stewart, but John Stewart was a very funny man. And John Stewart, I think, still has a patriotic bone in his body. Trevor Noah is just incapable of stringing a set of words together that elicit a laugh. He's just deeply unfunny. Like the he's not he's not just unfunny, he's the opposite of funny. If you're having a good time and everyone's laughing and you just want everyone to calm down because your chest hurts too much from <laughs> laughing, you just bring out Trevor Noah and he just he can stop all laughter just immediately. Um I would say he's the Hannah Gatsby, but you know, it's not that bad. Hannah Gatsby's just literally not comedy. It's literally just tragedy. Uh right. so yeah. um but I think this is the type of immigrant we should want in our countries, whether it's Israel or the United States. This is the type of immigrant that that actually benefits people. I don't. I don't really like. There's this this kind of idea where you tell celebrities to shut up and dribble. I actually disagree with that. I think we should expect our celebrities and our uh, the people we look up to. And and it's a shame that we look up to. I don't know basketball players or or this or that, whatever it is. But the reality is we do look up to them, and I think they have a responsibility to be role models. And this is a role model. You don't have to agree with Ennis Cantor Freedom all the time, but he's a role model. Right. And I don't know much about him other than this one statement that we've been saying. But uh, but as you said, I think it's very important to have immigrants like this now. It is to be said that I do happen to hear a lot of stories of immigrants who come and are very appreciative towards the country. But we do we do hear those stories also of, like you said, immigrants who come and just bash on the country. But I think a bigger issue is, as opposed to the immigrants who are coming in and bashing on the country, is the people. It's the American people themselves who come in, who who don't come in, who are who have been here their whole life and they know the the, the opportunity they have the, in in America, and still they see it as they they unfortunately are very. Uh, they they have tunnel vision and they focus only on the bad. I think even with America's problems, um, it's one of the best countries that we're going to have. 
and uh, people who, who are here who are uh, bashing the country, um, it, it, it really hurts me to see. So when, when we have someone who comes in from the outside, like and is Cantor Freedom, and he comes in and he says, no, you guys are wrong. There's a lot of opportunity here. I mean, just look at me, like, he, let's be honest, he's here playing basketball. He's making a lot of money. So he probably has a lot of reason to be thankful for America. And so it's just, it's, it's nice to see for, for a change. Right. So I, I guess that's where, I guess that's where it stands almost. Uh, I, I, I guess there isn't much else to say, honestly. I think, you know, that's pretty much the long and short of it. So let's get back to, let's get back to, you know, let's talk about the next topic as it were. Uh, as you may or may not know, Gadi Avarkan has become my favorite Israeli politician. Uh, he's <laughs> the only one that, uh, you know, he's the only one that I'm going to allow to live when I become the supreme dictator of Israel and oh, of I get rid of all the politicians. He's going to be the only one I allow to live in. And here's the reason. He actually wants to get us out of this pandemic. And what I mean get us out of the pandemic, I don't mean by um, get to zero cases or whatever unreasonable thing that he wants to do today. I'm talking right. about he actually has a plan to kind of ease up on the restrictions, to allow people to get back to their lives, whether they agree with COVID uh, restrictions or they don't agree with COVID restrictions, whether they want to get the vaccine, whether they don't want to get the vaccine. I this is this is what I see, and this is what he's he sent a letter to Naftali Bennett. Now Naftali Bennett is the clown, is the clown who is currently the prime minister at the moment. The Prime Minister of Israel, I don't remember if I said this last week or not, the Prime Minister of Israel literally said on television that if you wear a mask, you can mitigate some harsh symptoms. Namely, if you're wearing a, namely, if you get COVID, if you're wearing a mask, you might have lesser symptoms or, or, or milder symptoms. That's never what they said, the point of the mask were. That's, where where does he get that? What science does he get that from? Not only was that never the point of the masks, I don't think anyone has ever made that argument in the history of <laughs> since masks have existed, except for like maybe, I don't know, voodoo masks that might heal the sick or whatever. But that's already like <laughs> idol worship. That's not really, you know, normal. Uh, but it, when you're talking about medical masks, he said, you know, <laughs> oh, man, uh, I, I still sometimes I will wake up in the middle of the night and I will literally I will be like the prime minister of my country actually said that like if, <laughs> i've like it's 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 a long it's 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 just as stupid as true and honest shabbat of pressure i was gonna say at least your guy speaks in full sentences so you know right but at least at least at least the american president he he has a reason not to be fully there our prime minister is a young guy relatively like his kids are like his kids are like 10 years younger than me. He's not that old, right? And he's talking like he's a very, very – he. either he's an idiot or he thinks we're idiots. And I'm just like, why would he say that? Like that's why I would never trust him because he says things like that and he doesn't – he doesn't think – he doesn't think like, you know, maybe we should be honest with these people. Maybe we should just tell them the truth and maybe we should, you know, he's not like that at all. He wants to, he wants to just pile on the reasons, but at a certain point he just becomes untrustworthy. Um, but anyways, but here's what Gadi Yavarkhan, let, let's get back on tr- topic for a second. Gadi Yavarkhan said to, uh, he wrote a letter to Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and he essentially said that the Green Pass is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. 
um, one of the one of the heads in the head of the uh, transmissible disease units in the Ministry of Health said that the Green Pass doesn't do anything. I believe her professor, uh, her name is Professor. Uh, what was her name? Let me just double check. Uh, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Um, I don't know what her name is. Uh, Rahav something or other. And uh, essentially, she said like, oh, the Green Pass doesn't do anything, right? The Green Pass doesn't do anything anymore. It's not a real thing. Uh, it's not helping anyone. And the vaccines are not preventing the spread, which if you, if you remember in November time after the vaccine came out, after they announced the vaccine was ready, they said that the vaccine would stop the spread to the point where people were saying like, if you got the vaccine, you don't need to wear the mask anymore. So he said, instead of doing all this work and getting upset at everyone who's not vaccinating, is vaccinating, blah, 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 blah. Let's just make certain green zones that you have to take an antigen test beforehand to get into them. And if you don't pass the antigen test, you can't get into them. Now, a place that would be a green zone would be a nursing home, a rehabilitation center, things like that. Um if, if if I were a politician and I were interested in, in doing sensible policy, something like that would make sense. If you were a politician and interested in doing sensible policy, you wouldn't be a politician now, would you? Uh, well, that's <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that I guess you, you have to either be a politician or you have to be interested in sensible policy, but you can't be both. Um, <laughs> I guess you can't. But be yes, both. in theory. Yeah, that would be good, because if the whole point of all this stuff is to in theory, get us back to nor- normality, then this would be at least a step towards that. But it doesn't seem like any other politician is interested in uh, investing in this idea or at least to any meaningful nature that uh, that would get us back to uh, the, the, the freedom that we want. Well, it's kind of crazy, actually. I speak to some people. Some people are like, they hate the masks, whatever. They don't. They wear them as little as much, as little as possible. And then I talk to some people who are like, they've, they've come to recognize or i guess they've come to see that the masks are just another piece of clothing that now we have to wear like it's 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 a new thing like we've changed our lives now now we have to wear a mask everywhere it's like don't people walk around china like that they walk around with again not against chinese people but just don't they walk around with uh face masks and face coverings because uh china's like well japan I, I think it's a lot more typical in East Asian countries for the citizens to walk around with masks during uh, flu season. But here's the thing about that. I actually think I would rather get the flu than walk around with those masks. I think that there's a, something a little bit dehumanizing if you can't deal with a little bit of germs. Um I was okay with the masks at the beginning when we didn't know what was going on and, and right. I thought the masks would only be for a little bit. I think if you wear the masks for a little bit and you recognize that the masks, they're there to stop the spit, then I think it's okay. The minute the masks became a religion in its own mar- in its own right, like I saw a picture the other day of like some woman carrying this cross into her – crucifix into her uh, church and there were three masks hanging off the crucifix. And it's like, so that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I mean, like, listen, Catholicism in and of itself is ideology, idolatry. Like, get get bent, Christians. Sorry, no, sorry, not sorry. Um, but uh, at the same time, like, <clears throat> you don't like the masks are not religious symbols, or I guess they're not supposed to be. But if you're going to treat them like religious symbols, if you're going to mask the little gnome in front of your house, because you know, like, I know obviously <laughs> right. some people. T- 
no, like I know some people mask the gnome because they think it's funny, but you know, there, there's a certain, like, there's a certain point where you mask everything and you see like people with the, like two face masks and they have a, a face mask oh. for walking outdoors and a face mask for being on the bus. And they have like the face shield and they have everything. And and I have to ask, like, are they trying to ward off COVID or are they trying to ward off the devil? I don't, I don't know what they're trying right. to do here. And uh, like well, last night I was at a, I was at a, a wedding and I saw, you know, obviously most people were not, uh, were not fully masked and like taking precautions, but there were some wearing masks. And you know what? If they want to wear a mask at a wedding, I don't agree with it, but whatever. But there was the handful of people who were walking around with a double mask and I'm, and I just, I just, like, if you're that scared of COVID to the point where you're walking around in a clearly, like, populated area with double masks and, like, you're taking all these, like, super duper heavy precautions on yourself, I feel like you never really want to be out of this, this, uh, this, this situation we found ourselves in. Like, if you're that stuck in the mindset, it's, I just feel bad for you. Like, you're just stuck in this sense of like everything's gonna kill me if i walk outside my house i just you know i feel bad those are the types of people who wash their hands 20 times when they come into the house because they're trying to get rid of the 0.01 percent of germs that purell doesn't kill (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but like that's the thing like I, i agree with you ryan it is very sad when when people just don't want this to end and i i I think I think for a lot of people it's comforting knowing that if you wear the mask and you get the vaccine and you you social distance and you you avoid crowded areas I think there's a lot of people who who take comfort in knowing that it's it's something bigger than themselves they're they're it's religious right that that's why I think right. it's a religious thing because you wouldn't behave this way about just a regular medical thing. You do this because we're all in this together and we all have to, you know, stop the spread. There's a religious goal in mind. It's a trans it's not a thing that can actually happen, but it is a transcend transcendental kind of goal that people have to want to wipe out COVID when it when it should be apparently obvious to anyone with a functioning cerebral cortex that <laughs> that uh, you know you, you can't just wipe out the flu by hiding in your house for six months. We're not bears. We can't do that. Um, so we need to live with it. But so so now that we've discussed Gadi Yavar Khan's uh, proposal, this happened, I believe, on Thursday. And then, uh, and then it came out over the weekend that the antigen tests uh, were not nearly as effective. I think, I think the, the statistic is like, one third of the of the negatives were false, which is to say that let's say you tested for the antigen test right. and you came back as negative, you were actually positive uh, one third of the time. Which, which one third of the time? Uh, just so you know, uh, it, it's very odd to me that, for example, uh, in Israel, if you get the PCR test, you're you're free of COVID for three days, right? N- namely, you have a temporary green pass for three days, and that. But if you take the antigen test. You only have a green pass for 24 hours. But the science doesn't really make any sense. That feels more like a fee rather than like an actual science. Like there's no science. There's nothing saying that like you can't get COVID within the next 24 right, you could hours. Get like, the, like you could get the uh, you could get the antigen test, like the the mall the Walmart brand antigen test, or you can get like the the actual PCR test. And if you invest more into you know, like the PCR test, then you get more time to be outside, kind of like. Right, uh, but yeah. the thing about the PCR test is that 
even though it takes like even a good PCR test can get you can get results in 24 hours, right? Um, but the thing is, is that there's nothing there's nothing about the PCR test that prevents you from getting COVID over the course of three days. So why does the PCR test get you three days of a green pass and the antigen test only gets you one day of a green pass? That's that there's no science. Like I'm told to, I, I'm told to follow the science and I'm really trying my best. I know I'm educated in the liberal arts, um, but I, I failed to see the science. I failed to follow the science here. I, I don't understand it. Um, well, I think it's because there is no science, but that's just me. <laughs> well, one, <laughs> one no would be here. well, one would be forgiven for thinking that this is a giant grift, um, especially <laughs> considering that Israel decided to destroy their own uh, tourist industry. So they need to get the money from somewhere. So they may as well just grift off a lot of money on PCR tests and antigen tests, or or pay or get Pfizer to pay them to shove uh, uh, the the vaccine into everyone's arm. Uh, but uh, you know, don't don't uh, look at me. I, I didn't make this. I up. just. Uh, I just I remember uh, just kind of tangentially that uh, I remember maybe a couple months ago that Elon Musk, uh, I think maybe a couple of people heard this story, that Elon Musk uh, took a total of four uh, rapid tests, which I'm assuming is at least similar to the antigen test. The rapid test is the antigen test. Oh, it is. Okay, fine. It's the same thing. Right. Okay. So then he took four of those tests. And I remember him saying that like, First one came back negative, then one came back positive, and then he took two at like two at the same time, and one came back negative, and one came back positive. So it's just like, like I don't know, like this is just I don't, I don't know. What to my say my only problem with that story is that he didn't take thirty, and then that becomes a sample <laughs> size. <laughs> if, He's if a scientist; take... he should know to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a statistic. That's just oh, come on, Elon, you should know better. Um, no, but you can, I don't, fi- I don't... you can fix our uh, energy problem, but you can't even run a simple sample t- size. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I think the, the thing I like about Gadi of Arkan, and, and he said on his Facebook, I don't, again, I have no way of verifying this. He may just well, he could very well be making it up. I don't know. He he speaks to other politicians and he says that, th- that they, they like that he's fighting for this, even though they're not going to speak up. And And my problem is, where are the other Israeli politicians that want to go back to no masks? We could fly in people. Because remember, this is not just affecting Israelis. This is affecting um, – first of all, there's a whole sector of the economy that's just gone. And it's not like a right. small one. Uh, we got – tourism is essentially destroyed. Um, right. Everyone I know in tourism who is in tourism is not in tourism anymore because there is no tourism industry in Israel anymore. That's just right. the reality. Um, and you know, you've also got – Israel's – Israel is one of those countries out there that has a, a large diaspora community, uh, not just of Israelis, but broadly of Jews. And those Jews want to come to Israel. That was one of the things in the founding charter. This is a homeland for the Jewish people. Jewish people are right. allowed to come whenever they want. Um, that hasn't been the case for the past two years. It's been on and off. People lost a lot of trips uh rite of passage ceremonies or people who want to do bar mitzvahs in Israel, weddings in Israel, and they can't do it because of the situation going on. And at a certain point, these these uh, and and he talks about this in the letter that the that the green pass system is a huge uh, is a huge uh, detriment to Israeli uh, civil rights. And I wish more people were talking about it because he's not wrong. And and also I want to add to what you said before 
if they're politicians, they're the ones who are coming and telling Gadi Ivankan that, that, oh, they support him, but they don't want to talk out. Well, your job as a politician is to talk, to speak out. You can't just sit there on the sideline and say, oh, we support you, but, but, uh, but, uh, but we, we're going to keep silent. Unlike with, with, you ready for this, for this, uh, callback? Unlike, unlike with Ennis Cantor Freedom, where LeBron's teammate was telling him, like, oh, you know what? Like, it's cool that you're fighting out here. If you're, if you're a politician and you're not speaking out, why are you there? Like, your job is to be an advocate for the people, or at least that's what the, I would think the ideal version of a politician would be that they're coming out and speaking for the people that they represent. And if they can't do that, then what does that say about where we are as both a society and a country? Well, the thing about Israel is that the politicians don't, the politicians don't represent anyone. They are uh, factions of a party, right? Do you, you know how Israeli politics works, correct? Right. With the, uh, the, like each party forms a coalition and they, uh, right, but you got to understand that, like a, a right, but you got to understand you don't vote for a politician in Israel. You vote for a party. You vote for a party, right? Right, but what that means, and like I didn't know what this meant as a child, right? When when they explained this to me in in synagogue when I was a child, I don't even, I don't think our it wasn't even our former boss. It was the guy before him who explained oh, to wow. us. Is the guy before him that explained it to, to us? Oh. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, you weren't there back then because uh, it was no. Our boss. But I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he explained to us how it worked, and he said that uh, essentially, it, you, you don't really understand it as a child what it means to not vote for a politician, but rather to vote for a party. But what it means in practice is that there is no representative politics when it comes to hmm. district. So, for example, if let's say you're in the Knesset, you're not representing t- uh, Tiberius or Tel Aviv or I don't know. You're representing uh, your interests? Like you're, you're representing rep- – you're, 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 if you're, let's say, seat number 15 in a party, right? Let's say you're seat number 15 in the Likud. You represent the Likud. That's it. You're not representing anyone else. You are representing the interests of the Likud party. You're just you're – you're a bench warmer in the Likud. That's it. Really? You're, hmm. Yeah. So what you do is you when, when, when you hold a vote – um, you ask your party, uh, what are we what are we doing today? What are we voting on? If the party says we're voting on this and this is our bill and we're voting for it or this is not our bill, we're voting against it, you raise your hand or you don't raise your hand. But the point is, is you're not paid to be there to represent anyone, which is why I think these politicians don't want to stick their necks out because they're not representing anyone. There's no one who's going to get upset at them. Most people don't know the individual party members of the party that is representing them. Interesting. Okay. They know maybe the heads of the party. Yeah, maybe they know the heads of the party. Maybe they know the number two, number three, maybe depending on what jobs they have. But they don't know who who's going, uh, what's going on on you know, kind of the later, like the other end of the spectrum. But I think Gadi Varkhan might actually make a name for himself if Gadi Varkhan wanted to become the head of the Likud. He I don't know necessarily far? if he'd what. He might get far. Is what you're saying. Uh, actually, I'm going to take that back, and I, I I'll tell you why I take that back. Um, I don't know how popular he is in Likud. I've never I've never done my research. Um, I also just know a lot of Likudnikim. They're just more like BB people. Uh, so if I don't know to what degree his politics are popular in Likud, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I wish I could, but it's unfortunate that I I I just have no I have no clue regarding that. Mm. So. Okay, so let's talk about the Pope. As as you do on a on a on a nice Jewish podcast, let's talk about the Pope. <laughs> a bunch of Jews <laughs> talking about the Pope, of course. Well, there's <laughs> got to be a joke about that. Come on, we haven't come up with a joke for that yet. Come on. 
two Jews and Mapope walk into a podcast or something. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. So the Pope got into some hot water the other day for saying that people should be having children and that couples who decide to have a pet instead of a child, they're very selfish. Yeah, that's what he said. And he got a lot of backlash for saying that. That's and, worthy of backlash. Okay. Well, you'd be surprised. I, I actually – when I, I made a I made a kind of a detailed argument on my personal Facebook page about why it's important for people to have kids, both from a right wing, a left wing, and I guess a secular perspective. I don't really need to make the religious argument. I think the religious people make enough arguments for themselves. The religious argument is God forced you to, so you better do it. <laughs> exactly, right? More broadly speaking, let's let's be like a little inclusive of all our uh, celibate right. friends. But uh, <laughs> you know, the idea is that uh, theoretically, you're supposed to have kids, or you're supposed to be in a monastery somewhere, dedicating your life to God, or something like that, uh, depending on who you ask. But the thing is, is people don't understand the 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 necessity of having kids. They they number one, a lot of right wingers still buy into like the whole freedom aspect to it um but the thing about freedom is that freedom is predicated on certain responsibilities and responsibilities are predicated on certain freedoms and i I don't think i don't think it's a matter of what came first i think it's a matter of they all work together and they all kind of create society and so one of the one of the i guess one of the responsibilities we have for each other is to take care of each other on some level, whether that's in the private sector or the public sector, like that's not the discussion I want to get into today. I'm going to entertain both, uh, both paths here today. But the the idea is that we need to take care of each other, and part of taking care of each other is 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 passing the society that we that we have that we've been given onto the next generation. Whether it's for um, how do I say this? Uh, whether it's for secular reasons or for religious reasons, or it's for purely. Um, you know, monetary reasons, right? So if you're a left-winger, right, and you believe in social security, right, let's say for the, for the sake of the discussion, um, how are you going to fund social security if we stop having kids? It's me. <laughs> right, but the, th- the thing is that pe- I think one of the reasons, I think me personally, one of the reasons that we're not having kids anymore is because we've come up with all these programs to support the less fortunate, the people, the elderly, the the infirm, right? And in and of itself, that's not a problem. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But people think that because they support these programs, now they've given, now they they kind of fulfilled their social responsibility. They don't need to be, they don't need to take care of making sure there's a future generation. Right. So what people do is they'll go and they'll 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 work at the widget factory and make widgets all day, or they'll gallivant around the globe. And they'll, I don't know, eat the finest delicacies. They'll do pretty much whatever they want with no responsibilities, but they make sure to pay their social security. And then when everyone has been done living like that and they're now 70 and they they, they say to social security, okay, well, pay me now. Well, there, there were a couple of people that decided to have kids. So now those kids are forced to take on the burden of every single elderly person, whether they decided to be responsible and have kids or they decided not to be responsible and they chose not to have kids. And eventually this creates an economic problem where, where instead of having the original right side up pyramid, which is what social security is, it, it literally is a pyramid scheme. You take money from the from the young people and you give it to the old people, right? Right. You've created an inverted pyramid where you have a very small group of kids and they're supporting a very 
relatively large group of elderly people. Right. You've inverted the triangle. And but if and and people and and there are these right wing people who think, oh, you know, I'm going to solve this problem by instead of worrying about social security, I'm just going to invest in a 401k, right? And then I'm going to pay people to take care of me. But remember, there are people who had kids who expect their kids to take care of them in their old age, right? If right. not physically with money and resources and this and that. But if they're so busy taking care of you, they're not going to have time to take care of their own parents. It's right. just a, mat- a matter of reality, right? So there's, do you think these do you think these uh, these social securities and all these uh, programs, do you think they're outdated? Or do you think they need to be adjusted? Or in, in what sense do we fix this problem? I mean, it's it's a problem because they already exist, right? We've already promised certain people certain things. That is just a reality. You can't fix that. Um, if we could go back in time, that would be amazing. But the reality is we, we have uh, we have the thing that we have right now, and that's that's the way it's going to stay. Um, I think if you didn't want to get rid of these social programs altogether, what you could probably do is say you can't get you can't cash out of social security unless you do certain things right which is to say you have to be either be a war veteran like i would never want to deny a war veteran anything if you fall in a war you don't have to do anything else that's it um if you or you need to have three kids right so let's say you're like one of these progressive people who has like 10 dogs but you had like one designer baby you can't get social security you need to get social you get social security if you did your social responsibility and you decided to go and uh, and get you know and have kids and 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 put in the work um or like let's say if you get tested and find and you find out you're sterile you're fertile right then you could get social security right cuz like obviously there are people who can't have kids for one reason or another you know but I think if you made it a bigger deal that you need to have kids, otherwise you're not getting social security, I think you'd see a lot more people taking having children very seriously because they want that thing. They want that kind of – they want that social safety net. Um, yeah. But I, I think in general these kind of social problems are, are – these these social programs rather are are – they don't work because we don't understand. We, we can't fully grasp – as a society, why uh, these things work, why they don't work. But I think beyond – I think we need to talk about, you know, beyond the economic argument, beyond the kind of the, 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 the population aspect of it, we have to talk about what is, what is it about having kids that's, that's fundamentally important to being a human and not just from a religious perspective but almost from a cultural aspect. What does it mean to have kids, right? Mm. Okay. Right. The thing about having kids is that when you have kids, you're passing your culture down to the next generation. You're you're saying that your ideology, not just your ideology, you're passing your way of life, right? Um, when you when you have children, you're saying that hey, listen, we've suffered a lot, but I'm going to give it. I like my way of life, and I'm going to pass it down to someone. Um, it's a, it's a form of gratitude, almost like to pay it forward, you know. As it were. Okay. I mean, like, think about all the hardships our parents went through and their parents went through and their grandparents. They had a much more justifiable reason to say, you know what? I'm not going to bring a kid into this world. This world is messed up. It's awful. Right. Especially grandparents with the well, you know, 70 years ago. No, but even more so, like, think about all the terrible things that happened throughout Jewish history or even not Jewish history. Just think about all, most people. 
like 99% of people, over 99% of people lived very, very terrible lives if we're looking purely from a materialistic standpoint. But they decided it's important to have children because they 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 felt that there's something be, there's something worth it in this life that goes beyond you know goes beyond just like not suffering material aspects and what you can get. It's more about passing on who we are as people. Right, right. So I, I see a lot of people my age who are like, oh, you know, if I have kids, I can't afford this and I can't afford that. It's like, yeah, I guess you can't. I guess you can't. You won't be able to afford it. I think people also miss out on the, uh, like, they say that, but there's also like, there's unique things that come from having kids. I, I, I can't say that I understand those completely, but obviously there are reasons why people have kids. And I think everyone who just says, oh, well, I can't afford this. I can't do that. They're missing out on those other aspects of, of life is about growth, right? So growing is is seeing that you're you're in one situation and then you grow and you become an, you go into another situation and you keep changing who you are and growing who you are as a person um and you keep changing your experience so people say oh i'm in this one situation that i like um and they don't want to grow ever so they they see they see kids obviously as the next step which they are and then they can't do the they see it as they can't do the things that they 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 like doing in their previous uh, stage of life. And, uh, that's, I mean, to me, that seems like an issue because that there's no growth there. You're just, what do you, you're just, you're just, you just exist. You don't serve to grow or become more than what you are. Right. I think that's why the Pope was saying to bring it back to the Pope and, and what he said, I think that's why the Pope said that like having just like all these animals and then just calling them your fur babies is selfish because yeah, it's probably easier to raise a puppy than it is to raise a human child. Human childs take human children take nine months of gestation and then the easy part's over, right? Think about that. And then you have 18 years plus, you know, now that we have extended adolescence, it's not you're not really done raising your kids until they're out of the house, married, you know, independent, which can take And even then still, for some people, you know <laughs> you might you might be out of the house, but you're still attached. But, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I, I I assume a lot of people uh, got a little messed up because of COVID. Like their their path to independence got a little messed up because of COVID. Um, I, I'm not gonna blame anyone, especially nowadays. It's 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 very easy to say like, oh, this guy's uh, this and that guy's that. But the reality is, COVID did a lot of things, which is which is kind of like my my other point. I do think the Pope is not addressing this very real thing that. There's a lot of wealth inequality and a lot of income inequality that exists nowadays that makes it harder for people to realistically raise a family. And before you jump down my throat and say like, oh, you know, income inequality, that's a leftist, uh, the leftism, you know, woke. Um, I do have to point out that that having kids is expensive in the United States. It's not. It's not simple. Yeah, that that's just a reality. I think if which is why I'm very for the forgiveness of student loans by the government because I think Right. what you see You told me what, this before. This is uh this is one of our this is one of your leftist ideas that you uh that you keep in secret. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I guess it's is was it a secret? I I don't know. I mean, I'm not No, like, I mean uh, as in you're 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 am- amongst the people we know, you're you're known as the very far 
right winger, but this is one of your secret left wing opinions that makes it in there. I know. Ooh, <laughs> secretly, I don't want all of my fellow countrymen to be owned by the banks. How evil! Uh, right, I know. <laughs> I know. It's a socialist. Uh, I guess. I guess it's a socialist <laughs> in me. Oh well. Um, but I guess maybe I never said it on the podcast, so I guess I, I want to elaborate. Um, I don't think it's very conservative to tell a bunch of eight, uh, 22-year-olds who got duped into going to college. I don't think it's very conservative to tell them that they should just be owned by the banks for the next 50 years. I don't think that's – there's nothing conservative about that in my opinion. I think that we should go after the predatory uh, university system both in the public and the private sector. Um, in the in the private sector, of course, you got the universities and the banks that are giving out these loans and the universities that are jacking up the prices, uh, knowing that the students will just pay whatever they need. So they raise the prices and they buy statues of whatever crap. And then, of course, in the public sector, you need to go after the teachers and the and the professors. And you need to go after also the, the college guidance counselors who are selling college to these kids because to a lot of these public schools, it's not prestigious if you tell the, the students that they go to – uh, I don't know, say a trade school, but if you go to a college that's much more prestigious, so they have incentives to send people to universities and pay outlandish money so that your kid can be indoctrinated in left-wing nonsense. Uh, and a lot of people are going to say, oh, we should forgive STEM loans and and not forgive, I don't know, gender studies loans. But I'd be like, well, that's missing the point. The point is, it's very. I'm sure it's much easier for a STEM major to find a job than it is for a gender studies major. I completely recognize that. I'm saying that it's not good for my fellow countrymen to be owned by the banks at the age of 22, and uh, we should be looking for a path out of that. Um, right, but there is something to be said that – not that I agree with this completely, but there is something to be said that nowadays, just due to the evolution of the country, jobs do want to see that piece of paper, even if it's just like, look, it sucks, but they do want to see that piece of paper, which is again, silly and – Well, that well that only, well, that only strengthens my point, which is that – if 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 the if the establishment wants you to get the piece of paper and the parents want you to get the piece of paper because they think the jobs want the piece of paper and the schools want you to get the piece of paper and the colleges want you to get the piece of paper and the banks want you to get the piece of paper, then there's no one really on the side of these kids that's going to prevent them from getting into five, six figures of debt. Like I've seen $200,000 of loans right. for what? You know, for NYU. Okay, NYU is a good school. It's not that good. Um, there's, you're not learning, I don't know, magic at NYU. You're not learning to pull apart the universe at NYU. Like, like it's not that good. I wouldn't pay for that much. Um, right. but that, but that kind of is my point, right? Like if you, you, you have to, there, there has to be give somewhere. You can't like, you can't live in a universe. Like, yes, if we lived in a universe where college had absolutely no cultural credit, right? That college was this universally despised thing. And then you go out of your way to pay for college despite everyone's best advice. Yeah, it's kind of on you, but we have a whole system that is designed to put these kids through the university system and to make them spend a lot of money while doing it. Now, of course, there's always going to be people who are smart and they decide you know, to go to community college first or to get uh, scholarships or to work or this or that, or they, or maybe their parents help them out. And 100% always going to be those people. And, and this is the worst part of my proposal, that it punishes people for being smart. I recognize that. My issue is that you've got a lot of people who were not told to be smart. They were not told how to be smart. They were told to just do. And they listened. And it's very easy to just kind of throw them away and to say like, oh, we're going to let them languish. Because remember, if these people don't have kids, my kids are going to end up paying for them. It, right. it, so if they can't get a job, if they can't raise a family, if they can't 
collect any sort of if they can't accrue any sort of wealth my kids are going to end up taking care of them so it's it's either we deal with it now and we forgive their loans and just let them live a normal life or or my kids have to deal with them when they're 70 year olds and they have no money whatsoever and then they're voting to take my kids money through the use of right and also speaking on a similar idea even more immediate than they'll have to be paid for in the future these people they're they're from the right they're hearing you know, oh, it's your fault that you went to college. Now you're gonna you're gonna have to pay for it. And on the left, they're saying, oh, don't worry, come over to us. You know, we're gonna we're gonna pay for all your debt, and you're gonna be you're gonna be totally debt free. And right now, more than in than in whenever they you know get on these social security plans, right now they're voting for, hey, these people are offering me money, excuse me, and these people are you know telling me to you know f off. Then like. Who am I going to vote for? I'm going to go vote for the people who are giving me money. Right. And and the thing is, is that if let's say a Republican came up like – and I'm not – listen. There's always going to be the leftist who says like the Republicans are just saying they're going to forgive your loans because they're racist and they want the white people not to have college loans. And and, and I can already see like – like I can already kind right. of make – like <laughs> – They're going to take not, their own arguments and make it about racism somehow. <laughs> yeah, they're going to say like, oh, they want to forgive white loans but not black loans. And they're going to say, well, then the black people, they didn't go to college because they thought they were going to do this and then that. And there's always going to be racist idiots on the left that are going to say that. But I think for most regular people, if a Republican came up with a like a five or six-point plan of how to tackle student loans, right? And I assume some of it would have to come from the kids themselves paying for it because I think what a right. lot of people want to see is that – you know, they're trying to get out of it, right? I think if let's say, you know, you have this guy in Wisconsin and you make the argument and say like, hey, listen, your kids are going to end up paying for this guy whether you want it or not, right? It's not and, – and not about – not because we're threatening you but because we're we're pointing out a reality that if they can't amass wealth because they're they're mired in student debt, if they can't have a family because they're working for, for – bubkis in the city and they can't move out to somewhere normal right and so then they're stuck in the cities and they're they're being indoctrinated with left-wing nonsense so they can't move out of the city because they need this expensive job to pay for the student loans they can't afford a family because everyone is is tied down to these loans that are owned by the banks they can't right. afford a family um so you make the argument to some guy living in the middle of nowhere you say hey listen this is a problem i understand it sucks but the reality is you're paying for this guy whether it's you or your kids someone's gonna have to pay for this guy because right. if, if someone's paying for him anyways, then you might as well just get rid of the problem now and you know and get it over and with. deal with the fallout later. Like we'll right. we'll, we'll reach that problem when we get there. Um, but I think mm-hmm. if you made like a five or six step plan and it included the kid needs to take some responsibility, like any kid who applies to this program has to take like I don't know ten or twenty percent, like they have to pay off twenty percent of the loan. Right. Right. I think I think a lot of people would be like, you know what? I'm willing to invest in that for my countrymen because I think people don't. I think people forget that at the end of the day, I think a lot of, you know, especially like rural Republicans, they view other Americans as family. Right. I think it's it's very like internationalist and urban people who, who kind of view the world's like, oh, I don't care, but like, I want the government to pay for right. it because I don't view those people's family. But I think if you uh, came in New York, you know, everyone in New York, everyone walks around headphones, they don't talk to anyone. And you go to rural America and everyone's like, oh, howdy, how's it going? You know, I mean, obviously not everyone. It's not perfect, but that's just the, the, the concept of the country, at least to me. Well, the, well, the thing is, is that in, in the in the city, they have something called negative politeness. 
it's not a bad thing. What it's called is negative politeness. And what that means is, is in a city, you can't be positive polite all the time. You can't wave hello to everyone because you're in a city with lots of people. You just can't do that. So what do you do? You come up with a system of negative politeness, which is to say you try to make as little of a nuisance of yourself as possible. Mm. Right. You try right. to be, you try not to take up the entire room. You try not to take, take up too much space. You try not to make too much noise. You try to just go about your business and okay, allow people to live their life in, in smaller places where everyone knows each other. That's where positive politeness comes in. So that's like the people who, who will come over when you, when you move into a new neighborhood and they bake you a pie. Um, they ask you how you're doing <laughs> things. No, the, like, but honestly, like that's what positive politeness oh, no, is. I'm just, I just, I just think that's, you know, to use the phrase, I think it's very cute when they do it. You know, it's like, Oh, Hey, howdy. It's good. Nice to meet you. We're the, the, the Smiths. Uh, welcome to the neighborhood. You know? Yeah, because it's it's it, believe it or not, it's very it's very homey. You go to like a, a rural or a suburban area, it feels like home. People right. treat you like a neighbor, right? And when you're in the city, that that's why people I think in the city are very miserable because you don't have that home experience. Um, but my point simply is a matter of. But I think if you explain to these rural people that there is a problem and it exists, it's not their fault. No one like, and you acknowledge, hey, it's gonna suck. Right, we know that you paid for your kids' college. You saved up. You scrimped. You didn't go on that vacation. It sucks, right? But you acknowledge, like, hey, listen. The reality is, is that this is a problem that can't be avoided. Here's how we're going to solve the problem, and here's here's how we're going to solve the problem today, and here's what we're going to do to make sure that this thing doesn't happen in the future, right? Because that's a very important thing. The left does not talk about that in their student loan forgiveness programs. They never talk about what they're going to do to prevent such a thing from happening again. Right. So if the right were to make a similar proposal, they would also have to look for the look towards the future and start in preventing a similar situation again. Right, exactly. And I think I think that's a fair thing to do. I think that um for example, if you wanted to prevent something like that from happening again, you'd have to say you'd have to like kind of first of all, you'd have to tear apart a lot of these colleges. Like there doesn't need to be a college in every town, okay? There could be like a couple of colleges and you have to tear them apart. You also have to make it so that um, – that's the thing. Like I don't know what you would do. I think you. I think part of it would be that afterwards you can't give out student loans, which is to say that let's say you go to the bank. Let's say you go to the bank. A student loan wouldn't be a separate kind of loan. Namely, an 18-year-old walks into a bank, wants a loan for college. He can't get it. No credit score. Absolutely no credit score, right? And he's asking for thousands of dollars, right? If the parent wants to take out a loan for a fancy schmancy college, they're free to do so. But then it's on the parents. It's not on the kid, right? And then it's the parent's responsibility to pay it back. You can't force a kid to get a loan for uh, an expensive college, you know, because they you want them to graduate Harvard or whatever. You you have to do it. Um, I think it's just going to be – It's I mean – Obviously, there's what to talk about here. I just think it's very hard to. This is going to be a hard pill for people to swallow if you if it's actually uh, gets somewhere. Right, that's the problem because it's it's a, yeah it's deeply unpopular to say this, but the left, the hard left, has a point. Um, it's not the same <laughs> point they're making, but it's it's a very real thing that says that you know you can't run a society if the bank owns your people. That is just a reality. Right. Um, right. But but that's that. Um, and that's why you should have kids, folks. 
<laughs> no, I mean, we're talking like, I mean, listen, realistically, we're talking about what, why being a parent is hard and, and like, it wouldn't be fair to just kind of prop up the Pope's position and say right. like, oh yeah, you need to have kids and then not talk about why it's a problem, why people aren't having kids. Right, uh, but I think right. you're right. I think that there is an aspect of growth here. There is an aspect of, you know, passing on what we've accomplished to someone else. Um, but yeah, being a parent is not easy these days. And I don't envy people who, who, who were told, who did everything the way they were told to do it by their parents, by their teachers, by society. They were told what to do and they followed the rules and now they're screwed because they listened to what people told them. And it's, I, right, I don't but envy just because them. it, just because it isn't, uh, just because it isn't, uh, easy though, doesn't mean it's not correct. So, I mean, yeah, I guess on some level. I guess on some level, you the the question is, can you raise a kid in a society where you know everything is built against being a kid? And I would say, uh, I guess I don't know. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, part of me is like, you got to do it anyways because it's very important to have kids. And then there's another part of me is like, you know what? I totally understand. Um, right. But but we need we need people to have kids because otherwise we're not going to get out of this problem. We're just gonna collapse you know <laughs> i think that's the accurate description of it that i think that's yeah accurate. no it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's I, I i follow the science and i know for a fact that that is the scientific uh definition uh for what's of where happen. we'll head exactly <laughs> so uh and that's it for this week be sure to like the video share it with your friends and subscribe to the channel hit the notification bell to be notified whenever we post new content in addition we post to apple spotify google stitcher audible and your other podcast platforms we hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to you tuning in next week.